Chug-a-lug, chug-a-lug Make you want to holler Howdy-ho From your friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel J. Me and him and this other fool decide that we'll drink up what's left. Okay, we're recording. I'm just going to ask you, how did you get, like, explain this love of beer that you have? Because of all the people that I follow on Twitter, um, you're the most active in terms of uh, your, your celebration of that sweet nectar? <laughs> uh, well, it, it actually has, um, there's like the long story and there's a, the short story. The long story is just that I went to school in Northern California, uh, graduated around 2001, 2002. So uh, I, I was actually a social manager. So I got to throw parties uh, on campus. And uh, so I was buying beer and I was buying kegs of beer back uh, when Sierra Nevada uh, was in its, you know, maybe it's still in its heyday. But, you know, when, when Sierra Nevada was something new and, and crazy and different, uh, at least for, for the people in my group. So uh, I just remember back then. But then, you know, I went to New York and London and it was more about cocktails and craft cocktails and speakeasies and knock on this door and, and uh, say the password type stuff. And that was fun for a while, but then I came back to California, was going to have some kids, and it just didn't make sense. A, I didn't really want to do craft cocktails at home. I didn't really want to spend all that time and money uh, to, to, to get that sort of same feeling. And then B, I couldn't, I couldn't get that drunk. <laughs> I couldn't get that soused. So I had these two kids. I have, these, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old now, and uh, beer was just the, exactly the right speed where I could have a couple and still t- stay on top and keep the uh, keep the knives and scissors out of their hands, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, drinking beer is a hell of a lot easier than mixing a cocktail every 20 minutes with <laughs> kids running around the house. Exactly. I, I can attest to that, having raised a 15-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an, and currently in the process of nearly four, um, all of them been exposed, for lack of a better word, to both cocktails and beer. Um, something to be said for just popping the top on a craft beer bottle or can and going to town. And, and you know, it's also in a way more affordable to get to, to those kind of to get to that level where you know a lot or, or have had tried a lot of different beers. Like I, you know, just just going to like local breweries and, and buying, you know, ten dollar bomber, you can get to almost the same sort of level of sophistication with your love of beer that you would where you're buying sixty dollar bottles of wine. You know, yeah, or ninety dollar bottles of scotch. Exactly. So, just in terms of what it takes to get to a certain level of understanding about the industry and what is being made, like I even now I've stepped back a little bit. I'm a little bit more into baseball than beer. I I, I was running a beer magazine last year, but even now I find that with just a little bit of attention and a little bit of of budget. I can stay on top of, I know exactly what all the sort of trends are and what's, what's hot and what's going on. And, and, and that's part, I actually like following, I like following all the little differences in beer from year to year. I mean, we had, you know, the milkshake IPA and the hazy IPA, and now we got the brood IPA and I'm just, uh, I'm excited for all of it. I love, I love the new ideas. Yeah. Thus far we've had, let's see, we, we did a uh, brew with Tivoli and then we went to Spangalang and had, no, where did we get the blood orange IPA? Where was that? That was at Spangalang. It was a Spangalang and now we had that. No, thing. I'm no. sorry. Blood orange IPA was at 
ratio ratio yep and then uh, today we just had the hazy so it's hitting here too yeah um, you've touched on several uh, emerging trends in in the brewery industry at least in denver we might be a little bit behind the curve what would you say to that i don't know if that's true i mean y'all have the great american beer festival which is a really coming together of everybody and and all the trends and i when i went there i think two years ago uh, I went to Cerebral and, you know, had some hazy IPAs there that I think would still stand up to whatever's going on right now. So I, I think there's a lot of, you know, in, in terms of like, uh, sours and, uh, you know, you've got, uh, was it Casey, the, the blendery Is that called Casey's? I'm sorry. Say that again. I didn't hear you. You know, in terms of sours, um, uh, you've got, uh, you've got a world-class, uh, blendery there. I think is it, is it Casey's or something? I forget. I can't think yeah, of that it's, it's, uh, what's the sour place? Uh, we're going to we're gonna, yeah, lie. What's the sour, uh, the best sour place in town? Yeah. Casey's? Some- he was saying Casey's. You know saying Casey's. What's yeah. that? Does that sound familiar? I might, have got, I might have that wrong. Oh, that's it. You're right. No, it's Casey's. Yeah. Right. Casey's. Hey, there we go. <laughs> yeah, no, the brewers know. Yeah. Well done, Eno. Yeah, that's that's impressive that you knew that. Jay and I don't even know. We're it. standing here with blank stares. Yes. Yeah, but no, I love I love uh, I love sours too, and uh, you know I love most of the styles. I just can't I can't drink on a a double uh, double barrel aged stout for for too long. It's just uh, it's a lot of uh, yeah, calories and a lot of alcohol. Yeah, we had one at Spangling on Tuesday that was, my God, that was it was like drinking just straight liquor. Yeah. It was crazy. It was amazing. It was uh, good. You know, you're, uh, you said you're, you're back in baseball more than beer. How do you tie the two or marry the two together? Well, I had a, uh, I had a column. I'm, I'm writing for The Athletic, uh, which is a new startup, uh, uh, a sports company, a baseball company. It's baseball. It's actually all sports content, uh, kind of subscription service. Um and uh, I have a, a weekly column called a beer, a ball game and a bag of mail where I just uh, I talk about a beer that I've had recently that sort of either is is on trend or just brings up a, a certain topic within beer that, I, that I'm thinking of. And then I then I discuss a little moment in a baseball game that I saw and then I, I answer some questions in a, in, a, in a bag of mail. So, you know, it's always been just a part of of something I do. Uh, I've usually had a, a weekly beer column, no matter where I've been writing. And I, uh, it's almost like, I don't know if people know who Peter King is. He's a football writer who's always had like a beer of the week in one of his columns. That's sort of, uh, a, a sort of a, a model I've followed, I guess. I, I, that makes me happy because I'm a, you know, Peter King, uh, reader and all that, but it's, you know, uh, I co-host another podcast and, uh, we are baseball nuts. So it's nice to, I guess it's, to me, baseball and beer have always kind of gone hand in hand. So, so what you're doing seems to make sense. And especially, you know, being in Colorado, Jay and I here on this podcast, I think baseball come, come spring is going to really define everything we do. Everything's going to move downtown. I don't know if you, have you been out to Denver before? Yes. Uh, a couple of times. I love that city. Okay. Okay. So you, you went to GABF, you said, okay. So, Cause yeah. there's a, there's a, Falling Rock is actually a tap house yeah. right next to Coors that has, I don't know, Jay, what would you say? A hundred different beers. And they on tap claim to be the, like the first or second largest craft beer yeah. tap in Denver. Um, and, and there's a chain that kind of challenges that day to day, but, uh, they're one of the originals. They've been there 30 or 40 years. Yeah. It's next yeah, time you come here, make sure you go there. Yeah. yeah, yeah just come great, to town and buy baseball tickets. Exactly. <laughs> you come and see us. And it's, it's like right by the park. I mean, you can, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's right there. Yep, it's right across from. Uh, I'm trying to think what the other board. A sports column, I guess. Yeah. It's right uh, there. yeah, it's around something. Okay, so you know, um, next question: What's the most recent beer you've had? Ooh, let me go to my untapped profile. Uh, whoa! Can we, can we follow you? Can you follow you know Saris on you know Saris. Untapped? That's it. It's E N O S A R I S on Untapped. I'm actually a big fan of Untapped because it. I'm, I don't have the greatest memory, and so it's almost just like a way for me to log. Uh, you know what I'm having. It's not necessarily about bragging. It's about sort of oh, I remember having this. You know. Yeah. You know what? And also, I used to run a website called Beer Graphs, and we did leaderboards where we did sortable leaderboards for beers and we did that uh, based off of untapped data. So uh, I actually want to get into that after you answer this question the, about your most recent beer. I want to ask you about beer graphs. Okay. Well, uh, my last three were Firestone Walker Mocha Merlin, which is a, uh, inter- is a nationally available uh, oatmeal stout. That's really, I got it out of Costco and I really liked it. Uh, I got it. I had a local Drake's uh, brood IPA, which wasn't my favorite of the style, but I, I do like the style still. And then uh, Toppling Goliath, Fire Skulls and Money, which is uh, was a really good hazy IPA. So wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! I grew up just outside of Decorah, Iowa. Ah. So the fact that you know what Toppling Goliath is is extremely impressive. And and well, and now Toppling Goliath, I think, is getting a little bit more distributorship. So you're starting to see them. Uh, I think they made an agreement with a, a brewery in Florida. So you're starting to see. I'm starting. To, at least I'm starting to see them here in California a little bit more. I didn't have to. Didn't have to trade for that one, but I remember trading uh, for their beers back in the day. I mean, uh, Pseudo Sue, the first time I got my hands on that, I was very, very excited. It was one of my first oh, favorite beer. beers. No, wait. Okay, so we were talking to the guys at Spangalang. Is, is Topping Goliath the guy from Great Divide? Is that right? Oh, is, it, is, that, is that what the, the genealogy I is? I'm not sure. I think that, yeah. Wasn't that what, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think I don't, so. I don't remember. And, 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 and Darren, Darren was saying, were, yeah. yeah, I think they all worked together, actually. Uh, at Great Divide. Pretty sure that's, what, that's yeah. what it was. Oh, they did. One of those guys yeah. from Great Divide did go over to Firestone Walker. That makes sense. No, no, to, to, to Topping Goliath. Oh, wait, now I'm lost. No, I think that's what it was. Yeah, he moved to Iowa and basically said, I'm going to try to make this the best beer in the country yeah and he did. Pseudo- oh I, not, yeah you got me right now yeah, right we're gonna have to start reviewing these podcasts <laughs> we before <laughs> before we record another one okay so beer graphs you know yeah explain the premise and what happened because i'm I, I miss it yeah no i wish i wish it was still up too um the the data became uh too valuable and and uh and when untapped uh, got bought they the the new company wanted their data and so uh they kind of shut off they used to have what's called an api where you're allowed to basically uh hook up to their to their servers and and ask them for data um and uh we use that data to kind of uh create uh leaderboards um on on beer graphs and the fun thing about the leaderboards was you could sort them for location really easily so you could say you know i'm in arizona for work and i love ipas let me just sort for the best ipas in arizona and we had we had dreams of sort of adding links to you know find it now maybe through beer menus uh, so there's certain other uh sites that allow you to sort of find a beer quickly uh and we thought that that it would be really cool to just you know help people who are traveling just be like you know oh i love I love this beer, or maybe I'll love this beer in Arizona, and you know this is where it is. It's right down the street. So, um, you know that was that was the sort of idea. But we also did a lot of research where we just took the numbers and tried to. We we found some real uh, brain breaking things like 
alcohol by volume and ratings are positively correlated, meaning as alcohol goes up, you get more stars, which I, I think most people in, in brewing are like, yep. <laughs> I'm more of an IBU guy myself, but yeah. ABV is okay too. We really wanted to get IBU through uh, the data feed, but we didn't, we didn't have that when we were doing it. We just, we did want to study that a little bit, but we didn't get to. So are you, are you traveling a lot just for, with the athletic and able to kind of experiment with some new places or is that something you kind of have to do on the side as a hobby? Well, there's two things going on. I do travel for baseball. I usually go to the all-star game, some of the uh, playoffs. Um, and so there is some travel for baseball. But then on top of that, I'm in California, which is a, one of like maybe the biggest. I think it is the biggest brewing state. It is the big, it's one of the biggest states anyway. Um, so that makes sense. But, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in California, north to south. And I travel a lot, uh, you know, up, up to Sonoma, where I have family. And that's where Russian River and Hen House and uh, a bunch of really good breweries are up there. And then I also go down to San Diego and L.A. a lot. So. You know, I have a good sense. I have a really good sense of what's going on in California, but I also make sure that when I travel, I, I check out what's going on in the new place. Tell us what we can send you from Denver in the next couple of weeks. Oh my gosh! I mean, there's got to be a bunch of new breweries. I'd love to try something from uh, uh, where are you guys at right now. The Grist. We're at Grist uh, Brewing, and yeah. uh, they're located in Highlands Ranch and Park Meadows, or Lone Tree, technically. Um, they've been here a couple of what, what do we say, five years today. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're actually experiencing a transition to a new brewer, head brewer, Kevin, Kevin. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm taking home a keg. I don't know if I can put that in the mail, <laughs> but uh, I'm happy to send you a couple of growlers or crowlers perhaps. Yeah. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, no, Colorado has a good tradition. I, I, I think that, uh, every time I've had something from there, I'm, I'm into it. I'm trying to think like what uh, ratio was actually impressive the other day. Uh, ratio was good. Um, everything's been, we haven't had yeah, we're, shitty we're, beer yet. We're kind of snobs. We're not interviewing or hanging out with shitty beers, <laughs> but uh, it's going to happen eventually. We're going to yeah, make a mistake. Own. That being said, you know, um, Northern California guy, do you ski? Do you snowboard? Do you spend any time in the snow? I do. I do. Uh, a little bit less with the kids, uh, but I, and, and I, I, I ski. And it, sometimes I feel like that's pretty old school, but <laughs> I do ski. I never, I never jumped over to the snowboard. Yeah, that's okay. The dark side's a bit of a difficult stretch. So, <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, there's a thing that you know, baseball and beer go hand in hand, but so does uh, baseball. I'm sorry, so does beer and skiing or snowboarding. And there's a study in Denver that just came out last week um, via one of our trendy, fluffy magazines, saying that you know does. Does Denver's apres ski scene contribute to an entirely overindulgent drinking scene? Um, and and I mean, just saying, like, what would you what would you guess? Baseball versus the winter sports, who drinks more? I think baseball because there's more there's more drinking while you're watching while you're like at the game, and so you can drink before and after and during. Whereas, like, I mean, you can take a can up on the mountain with you, but you, you're not going to take, like, six cans in a backpack. And, like, what are you talking about? Maybe on the ski lift you'll sneak one in, but it's not it's not the same sort of thing. It's more après skiing. So that's that's when we're all winding down. That's fine. I got gotcha. you. You know, I'm going to also challenge you to ski with me one day in Denver or, or in, in the mountains of Denver. And uh, I, I will guarantee you I carry at least a four-pack, but that's okay. <laughs> um, that being said... Well, I'd love give to me, uh, give me maybe, <laughs> give me, your, 
Give me your top three ballparks for craft beer yeah, in I was the United ask States. Next. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, the easy first is San Diego. They have a great brewing scene around them, and they actually do the best job of bringing them into the stadium. You can get um, you can get Stone and and, and Modern Times and uh, and uh, Ballast Point, uh, Pizza Port. There's a bunch of great breweries that have stands inside, and then they also kind of have like a rotating bar, which uh, does a lot. San Francisco's actual like in the park, the beers are are decent, but they have a bar attached to the park that have ins and outs where you you can actually buy beer in the in the uh, bar and take it into the stadium. And that bar called the Public House is the best single bar I've ever been to in in a um, in a ballpark because it's a it's a true chalkboard bar, as in it's all chalkboard and they just go through it and they wipe it off new wipe it off. They have sours in there. They have they have double stouts. They have hazy IPAs. They, you know they it's a true beer bar inside a park. Uh, and then also Seattle. Seattle sounds pretty good. And then an underrated one is Kansas City because Kansas City has Boulevard and uh, and a bunch of uh, good breweries nearby that they've brought into the park. They've done a good job also of getting St. Louis beers. I've yeah. Uh, more to, to Kansas and City. And St. Louis is kind of wed to Anheuser-Busch, you know, birthplace of Anheuser-Busch. So, you know, St. Louis proper in, in the stadium is actually a little bit underwhelming. Have you had um, Mothers before out of Springfield? Missouri? Uh no, I haven't. Okay, that's that's a good one. I'll have to try to get you some of that. Send you send it your way. It's it's one of my favorites. You know, I yeah, thought usually it. our job was to benefit from the interviews to get free beer, but it sounds like you're going to win that game this <laughs> yeah, time. Apparently, oh, we're sending congr- it congratulations. Now that being said, um, I'm I'm a little surprised and disappointed, and and also not at all upset by the fact that Coors Field not making it in your top three. Um, but I will tell you that from Leaving the stadium at Coors Field, you're going to find probably the largest concentration of breweries within a one-mile radius yeah. now. Um, so if you if you haven't seen maybe a Rockies Dodgers homestand here in Denver, or um, you know the occasional playoff game, I don't know. That very rare, very rare, very rare. Very rare. Um, maybe you should check it out and uh, and and. You know, no. a day game at Coors Field is nothing without a trip to, I don't know. Um, What's there, uh, our mutual friend? Our mutual friend. Yeah. Ratio is close by. We, I mean, we could do a number of those. But, yeah, the, the Coors Field Lodo neighborhood in Denver, huge brewery hotbed right now. Um, so if, if you're looking for a change of pace, you should cover the Rockies for a couple of days. That's, and it's, it's, a, it's a good point to bring up what's around it. I mean, that's another thing that San Diego does pretty well. There's half-door breweries right outside the park, and Stone has a little thing outside the park. So Sto- like San Diego has a decent sort of like what happens when you leave the park situation. Uh, but other places, not so much. Like San Francisco, you kind of have to travel to get it to anything good. And Seattle, Seattle has great beer inside, but uh you know outside is is mostly like you kind of have to drive somewhere you know well and then you know the the opposite effect i think in denver right coors field owned by coors so you're limited to really what are they willing to put up with inside the stadium that's not the silver bullet um, it's not but it, you it is up. that it is that there's a lot of partnerships and there's partnerships on the major league level where the ma- major leagues are sponsored by but anheuser-busch so you know they they're sort of a requirement on some level to have anheuser-busch products in, in most of their places but there's also the fact that it's also very difficult for a small brewery to actually keep up with the demand. If you have 50,000 people at a game, 
they could they could tear through every keg you have if if they want your beer you know it's a very sort of variable thing where you know they it's hard to keep up with that demand so it's hard to like run that kind of chalkboard brewery that that's run outside of uh, San Francisco it's hard to do that if you are in the middle of the park and everybody can get it and uh, massive amounts of people can just sort of tear through whatever you have and then you know as a distributor as a as a ballpark you just want certainty you're just like you want to know that you have those beers and so there's only a certain like maybe Avery could get into the ballpark there um but yeah. uh but it would be really hard that to ratio to keep up with it that makes sense. Um, public house, and you said San Francisco. Uh-huh. Is that accessible only with a baseball ticket? No, it's also accessible without one. So it's a uh, it's a pretty cool little halfway space where you can get in, you know, watch the game even if you don't have a ticket, or uh, you know, pre party there and take some beers in when you when you have a ticket. And is that public with a K or public with a C? With a C. Just like that. Okay, I know we only have a few more minutes, so I'm gonna. It's gonna kill me if I don't ask you some questions. Uh-huh. Very intrigued by your your uh, your little thread on Twitter about changes that baseball needs to make. How are we gonna do something about a pitch clock? Well, I just you know I said for a while I've been like ah baseball doesn't need to change. I love baseball. It's fine as it is. Uh, but you know as I've been thinking about it recently, uh, the fewest amount of balls in play ever the highest uh, velocity pitch velocities ever the most strikeouts ever. And it sort of led to a game where the ball doesn't get put in play very much. And if you're at a ballpark, when the ball gets put into play, when there's a crack of the bat, you'll see everybody look up from their phones. So I think, I think the ball in play is still exciting. Even if it's an out, even if it's a single, it doesn't matter. It's still a moment uh, where the ball is, you know, bouncing on the field of play and these, these great athletes have to do something about it. So I was just trying to come up with a couple ideas to 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 get more balls in play and maybe, you know, have more action into the average game. And the idea was, uh, you know, put a pitch clock on them. So one of the things that pitchers have been doing have been waiting really long uh, before they throw again so they can throw as hard as they can. They can. So that's been part of why velocity is up. Uh, but if you make them throw it faster, they won't be able to throw it as hard. You know, if, they, if you make them throw it more often and quicker then they won't be able to throw it as hard. So I was hoping to get losses down a little bit, reduce strikeout rates, uh, get the batter in the box quicker. Um, and um, what about the shift? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the shift. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you can do something about the shift, but I, I don't want to do what I, the reason I was trying to talk about the pitch clock and stuff like that is that I find those, kind of unobtrusive small changes that aren't huge changes to the game. If we ban the shift, we, we're, we're writing a rule in and changing something that we've never changed before in baseball. The shift has it been allowed the for technical aspect of the game. Oh, yeah. yeah, so... Right. I don't mind the shift, though. I mean, the shift's been around for what? You know, it's been almost 100 years. I don't have it's a problem. I just... It's, I know it's a hot topic this week. Managers meetings, owners meetings, right? Yeah, they, they, the they Indians. shifted Ted Williams back in the day, so... Exactly. Yeah. The Indians were the first ones to do it, right? Yeah, they, they, they shift... You know, so I think the shift is just a part of baseball. I, I would rather... Maybe you can say, like, well infielders can't st- stand on the outfield grass like a small little rule that's okay that's that's to me is like enforcement enforcement of the strikeout ra- of the strike zone enforcement of the shift that's cool but writing a thing out of baseball i don't like yeah create invisible lines on the field almost like lacrosse or, well lacrosse mm-hmm. they're actually physical but yeah um, i mean we, do we have we have infield cutouts right so uh, it's weird when the second baseman is playing in right field so then you say well you're an infielder you have to stay on the infield 
Okay. It's, it's only weird when the second baseman is playing in right field if he's not been drinking. <laughs> let's, let's, bring yeah. it, let's bring it back to beer here. Yeah. No, really- we got to put a keg on home plate. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the answer. You know, I thought it was at second base, but that must be. <laughs> oh, he's from Northern California. Not right? everybody makes it to second base. Everybody makes it. Everyone steps to bat. You've apparently met my wife. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta ask you again. Okay, December exciting for you? Boring? Are you liking what you're seeing? Are we? I mean, where's Manny Machado going? What do you think? Yeah, I think Manny will go to Philly or New York. Um, I, I, I. Went to the winners meeting in, in, in Vegas and nothing happened, but uh, it was still fun because it was Vegas, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, the, these these off seasons have kind of started to drag out like they, the, the moves don't happen as fast as furious as I remember them. Or maybe I was just a kid. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's just it's uh, just part of the game now. People want to, you know, get every little last dollar they can out of a deal. And uh, and so, you know, it's made trades harder and stuff like that but you know it's still it's still a fun time you know the one thing that's nice about december that's different than october is that everybody's team has a chance right now so everybody who every fan of any team right now can dream on make this move make this move and we'll be good next year uh whereas in october there's only a few teams left and and uh, everyone else is just sad yeah december's more about the chessboard <laughs> and not flipping a coin or yeah, exactly yeah um, rolling the rolling the bones i guess let me ask you this uh rockies are about to sign and maybe they, they have sign. oh they uh, what are your thoughts we got a new first baseman no, second baseman jay oh second Gosh. shit I he can play first base though no i think yeah i think they they were saying he might play first daniel murphy i i think it's a better sign than the ian desmond one and um yeah, I know. <laughs> and actually More serviceable I, for sure one of the things that uh, is so hard about evaluating Colorado teams is is because of the park, obviously. Um, but you know, sometimes people say, "Oh, it's not a very good offense." In some ways, it wasn't. But when I look at that offense now uh, with Murphy in it, you got Murphy, Blackman, Dahl, Story, Arenado. That's a that's that looks like to me a very credible uh, lineup, a very good one. And right now, the Rockies have their best starting rotation they've ever had. And uh, and they keep trying to to put to put relievers in there. So I mean, it, it's a good team still. It's definitely a good team, and I, I think they'll make another run out of this next year. All right, I want to ask you because uh, one of our first guests on on our sports podcast was was Sean Foreman, who created Baseball Reference. I got to ask you, uh, what's the most telling stat in baseball? If I had to pick one and it, it, you know, this one actually, one of the reasons I like it is because it works for both uh, hitters and pitchers is strikeout rate. Really? Yeah. Uh, You know, there are, there are hitters that can succeed with a, with a good strikeout rate, um, with a big strikeout rate. And that's fine. But like, 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 like who are you thinking when you say that? uh, Like an Aaron judge, he still mashes, you know, and he strikes out too much, but he still mashes and that's fine. But if you just gave me one stat, I'd love to have a I'd love to have a guy a batter that didn't strike out much, and I'd love to have a pitcher who struck everyone out. So, in terms of good strikeout rates, who are some guys out there that have a solid one but may not be mashing home runs? Well, I mean, before Arenado broke out, that was kind of you know one thing that he did uh, was uh, you know do hit for good power, but also just not strike out. Now he's just a 
you know, a, an awesome all around player, but, um, you know, Mookie Betts did the same thing where he, he used to hit 16 home runs and just not strike out and hit 300, but now he hits 30 home runs a year too. So it's, it, that's another reason I talked to Charlie Blackman about this. It's one of the things he said was I'd rather be able to hit first and then you teach me power. And that makes sense. If you think about Charlie Blackman's career, because he, he also didn't have much power, but he always made contact. So uh, Christian Yelich, the guy who just won the MVP for the Brewers, he used to just make a lot of contact, and now he's added power to his game. So it's kind of hard to predict, you know, who will do it next. Um, but, uh, you know, Jose Altuve did it before. Uh, maybe Xander Bogarts next year will do it. Uh, you know, it's just you just look up, up and down. Like Andrew Benintendi with the Red Sox makes a lot of contact. He could add power next year. So. Underpaid, too. He's making nothing, which is a steal. Uh, you know, where does beer play into this equation? I mean, <laughs> like, you guys drink a lot of beer. Are they are they the more powerful batters drinking stouts? Um, <laughs> it is, is, is a better pitcher drinking a light, light, light beer or a Coors Light kind of a guy? Well, you know what? These guys actually work out so much that they can crush calories. Like it's it, while they're playing, the, you know, the calories, the extra calories in craft beer are not as much of a problem because they work out so hard. It's just it's just more in, you know. Right. They um, put on the baseball glove and boom, like seven beers gone. <laughs> well, I have I have met some guys over the years that are into craft beer. Brandon Morrow, the guy who's probably going to be the closer for the Cubs next year, the big craft beer fan. Uh, uh, Kniebel. The closer for the Brewers is a big craft. He's actually a brewer himself, a craft beer brewer. Um, so, you know, there is, it's starting to make some inroads. I know some guys, I had a book about craft beer and baseball, and I knew I knew some of the players were, were buying it. So there's we're gonna definitely. We're going to have to trade some books. We're going to have to trade some beers yep, and, and sure. maybe, uh, maybe some introductions to some of these baseball players that like beer. Maybe when they're passing through town. Yeah, or you guys come and visit me. Kevin Euclid has a brewery out here now, so we can go drink. Oh, my Kevin God. Euclid. I'm just going to drop whoa, the whoa. F-bomb. No. Fuck. Yeah. 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 Let's go see you. Where are you again? Yeah, I'm in uh, Northern California. Right? Yeah. Yeah, done. All right, Sam and I are on the next plane out. <laughs> All right, you know, Saris, our friend, thank you so much. We will send you some beer as soon as we can collect enough to send out. Um, that thanks, sounds man. Great. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Eno. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good, uh, happy holiday. Have a good December and, and take care of yourself, okay? Yeah, I'll come out to Denver sometime. Cheers. Bye, Eno. Chug a look, chug a look. Make you want to holler, holly ho. Burns your tummy, don't you know? Chug a look.